Our first scripture reading of the morning is taking us uh, into the Old Testament to one of the books that we probably don't spend a whole lot of time uh, studying, and it's the Song of Solomon, one of those short little books of the Bible in the Old Testament. And I'll be reading from uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. In this particular passage in chapter 4, Solomon is a waxing poetic on the woman of his dreams. How beautiful you are, my love. How very beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats moving down the slopes of Gilead. Now, I'm not sure that would send the woman of your dreams into orbit, but considering the times, that was the language they used. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them is bereaved. In other words, your teeth are really white, and you have all your teeth, so that's good news. Your lips are like a crimson thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built in courses. On it hang a thousand bucklers, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that feed among the lilies. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, I will hasten to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In an issue of the uh, Presbyterian Outlook, which is uh, the denominational magazine, uh, one uh, writer received an email um, based on an article he wrote, and uh, the article was titled, Why Am I Married? And one uh, email that he got was a story that went like this. So lady placed an ad in the classifies, wanted one husband. And the next day she received a hundred letters that all said the same thing, you can have mine. Another email went like this. When a woman steals your husband, there is no better revenge than to let her keep him. <laughs> what in the world is going on here? Does it really have to be that way? Uh, friends, I think that we uh, long for love that lasts. We long for love that will not let go. We long for love that will never, ever uh, give up. We learn for love that will not grow cold. I'm uh, continuing my uh, sermon series today that I've uh, titled Extreme Makeover, and we're looking at the different rooms of our home, but from a godly perspective. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking about the bedroom in our homes, which is probably a place where we certainly need a lot of help from God. And it may be surprising to you that the one book of the Bible that deals with this has the acronym SOS, Song of Solomon. In other words, this is our distress signal. Help, save our souls. And on this Valentine's Day, God gives us a Valentine's card to help us as men and women on the subject of love and with human sexuality. Now, by way of background, the Song of Solomon is in the form of a musical play. And you might remember, as I've shared earlier in previous sermons, that Solomon became a king while he was still just a young man. And one day Solomon is taking a tour through the vineyards in the northern part of Israel when uh, he and his entourage run into a beautiful young peasant girl who is tending the vines. 
And she looks at that royal procession. She blushes and then she runs away. But Solomon can't get that woman out of his mind. And so what he does is he disguises himself as a shepherd. He slips back into the vineyard in order to try to woo her and win her love. Now, sequentially, the Song of Solomon is kind of difficult to follow because it begins with the wedding, and then like a flashback, it goes all the way back to the courtship. And along the way, we find a very detailed description of the honeymoon, and all this is taking place through the dialogue of a man and a woman with occasionally some side comments from a chorus of singers known as the Daughters of Jerusalem. But what emerges is a beautiful Cinderella tale. One day, this young woman is alone in the hot sun. She's tending the family vineyard. She's got brothers and sisters who are at home. And, and this young shepherd, who is really Solomon in disguise, walks into that vineyard, and he cannot take his eyes off of that young woman who is in the vineyard. And then she says to him rather strangely, she says, Oh, do not stare at me, for I am darkened by the sun. What you need to know is back in those days, beauty was associated with pale skin. And so she thinks, oh, he's, he's looking at all my blemishes. Please don't look at me. Don't look at all my flaws. But he says, how beautiful you are, my love. There is no flaw in you. Wow, with lines like that, it's not too long before he wins her heart. They fall in love. And they begin to describe that beauty in language that is explicit, exquisite, and rather sensual. And so I'm going to invite you to join me as I'm once again going to read from the Song of Solomon. I read earlier from chapter 4. Now we're going to chapter 5. Earlier I read how Solomon sees the woman. Now I'm going to read for you how the woman sees Solomon, the man. Verse 10. My beloved is all radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside springs of water, bathed in milk, fitly set. His cheeks are like beds of spices, yielding fragrance. His lips are lilies, distilling liquid myrrh. His arms are rounded gold, set with jewels. So guys, keep pumping those bicep curls. There's still hope. His body is ivory work encrusted with sapphires. Women tell me that all the time. His legs are alabaster columns set upon bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His speech is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Holy God, uh, we do come to you uh, today in an area of life that can be a real tangled web of emotions and dreams and desires and hopes and yes, even memories. And we thank you that you speak powerfully to us through your word. And we pray that you would clarify for us and encourage us this gift of love that you have for us, not just on Valentine's Day, but every day. And it's to the glory of Jesus Christ that we pray these things. Amen. 
Now, the reality is, uh, despite the description of the woman that we have in uh, Song of Solomon chapter 4, we really have no idea what in the world she looked like. We have no objective physical uh, description of her features. And so if she were to walk into the room and we looked at her, I mean, who knows what we might think and say. But through the eyes of this young man, she is gorgeous, incomparable, and perfect. If Jennifer Aniston were to walk by, it wouldn't phase him one bit. He wouldn't be distracted. And yet by the same token, in chapter 5, we don't really know what Solomon looked like either. And yet here he is, viewed through rose-colored glasses by a woman who is in love. Now, you know that the ancient Romans believed that when uh, Cupid shot his golden arrow, a man and a woman fell in love. And in the Song of Solomon, this is a couple who are in love. And, and there's this intoxicating state of yearning and longing and being in love. And it's, it's sort of like a nuclear reactor of passion. And it has produced, oh, I don't know, the poetry of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. It's produced the, the plays of William Shakespeare. It's produced a Renaissance art and, and, and love songs galore in music throughout the years. And yet I think the greatest thing about this story is that it is the picture that God gives us of the unconditional love that he has for us as his people. Now the church has often seen the Song of Solomon as a kind of deep level metaphor as Solomon is wooing his bride and, and God is whispering sweet nothings into the ear of his beloved church. And so all of our flaws and all of our shortcomings and all of our foibles and all of our warts, they just sort of melt, they evaporate in God's unconditional love. And so in the church, we're a kind of Cinderella. And one of my jobs is to stand here and communicate to you that, yes, the glass slipper still fits. Jesus Christ loved you and me enough to die for. He disguised himself as a peasant. He came to earth to woo and win us to himself, not because we're perfect, because we're far from it, but because through his bride, he would make us pure and holy as a bride is on her wedding day. It's like the, the verse in that great hymn of the church, the church is one foundation. The church is one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. God says to us, as it says in Song of Solomon, how beautiful you are, my love, how very beautiful. God's love is selfless and sacrificial. It's the kind of love that says, I'm going to put your needs, your desires first ahead of my own. In fact, 13 times, I counted 13 times, Solomon uses you and yours in, in that scripture reading from chapter 4. And he uses the word I only one time. He desires to please, cherish, honor, and love her. How? unconditionally now unfortunately today i think a lot of couples will love with uh, what we might call a um, conditional love i will love you as long as you weigh 115 pounds i will love you as long as you don't get any gray hair 
I will love you as long as you get sick. I will love you as long as it's not too hard. I will love you unless someone more interesting comes along. Apostle Paul says in Colossians, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Someone has said, marriages may be made in heaven, but the work is done here on earth. And, you know, marriage can sometimes feel like you are in a boot camp struggling to grind out that 100th push-up in the mud. But you know what? There are other times when marriage can transport you into the most soaring of joys like that of Christmas morning. Friends, it is the unconditional love of Jesus Christ that is the glue that holds everything and everyone together. Now, when I look around, one of the other problems I see in society is that I think all too often uh, mates will uh, treat each other as, as business partners. There was a young man who was watching an elderly couple uh, have lunch at McDonald's. And this older couple ordered one meal and they asked for an extra cup. And this young man watched the older man carefully divide his hamburger in half. He counted out the fries, one for me, one for her, one for me, one for her, until each had half of the fries. And the old man then poured half of the soda into that extra cup, and then he placed it in front of his wife. And then the man began to eat, but his wife just sat there watching, hands folded. Well, the young man decided to go over the table, and he asked that couple if he could purchase another meal for them so that they wouldn't have to split theirs. The old man said, oh, no, no, we've been married for 50 years and everything has been and always will be split 50-50. Well, the young man then asked the, the wife, the older woman that was there, if she was going to eat. And the woman replied, uh, not yet. You see, it's, it's his turn with the teeth. Now, that may work for them, but you know, and you know that marriage is not a 50-50 partnership. It's really 110-110. It, it's pushing all your chips to the middle of the table. It's pulling one direction. It's being for and with the other person always. Friends, God and Jesus Christ is here today with all kinds of compassion got armloads and truckloads of forgiveness and second chances and new beginnings. Why? Because we need it. We are all in need of this grace that helps sustain us and the relationships in our lives. Last week, I was uh, in one of the grocery stores. I was standing at the checkout line and um, had one of those magazines in front of me that had a guy in the cover. You know, he's got the washboard abs. He's got the bowling ball biceps. He's got the tree trunk thighs. And the idea is you buy the magazine, and in two weeks, you'll look like that guy. But inside the magazine, there was an article, and the article is titled, Tips on Being Sexy. So I opened the magazine. I made sure no one was watching me as I opened the magazine. But I looked, I said, you know, even Babe Ruth took batting practice. Maybe there's something I can learn here. Well, it was not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Tip number one for being sexy, wash your face. 
I thought my mother wrote this. <laughs> and I said, use a moisturizing soap that gives you a healthy glow. Number two, do little things like extra chores around the house. And then I thought my ex-wife wrote this. <laughs> but to be fair, you know, sometimes it's the little things in life that can help sustain a love over a lifetime. The little things that we do can be a powerful demonstration of the commitment we have to one another throughout our lives together. I want to I close with a, with a letter that I, I just love. It was a, written to Ann Landers. Dear Ann, last weekend we celebrated my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. This morning they left on a long-awaited trip to Hawaii. They were as excited as if they were going on their honeymoon. You see, when my parents were married, they only had enough money for a three-day trip 50 miles from home. And they made a pact that each time they were, quote, intimate, they would put a dollar in a special metal box. And they would save it for a honeymoon to Hawaii on their 50th anniversary. Dad was a policeman and mom was a school teacher. And raising five children was a challenge and sometimes money was short. But no matter what emergency came up, dad would not let mom take any money out of the Hawaii account. My parents were always very much in love. I can remember dad coming home and telling mom, I have a dollar in my pocket. And she would smile at him and reply, I know just how to spend that. When each of us married, mom and dad gave each of us a small metal box and told us their secret, which we found inspiring. Mom and dad never told us how much money they managed to save, but it must have been considerable because when they cashed those into CDs, they had enough for airfare to Hawaii plus hotel accommodations for 10 days and lots of spending money. And before they boarded the plane, dad winked at us and said, tonight we're starting an account for Cancun. <laughs> Love is a lot more than a feeling. It's, it's cherishing, it's honoring, it's adoring. Love is intimacy. Love is a life together. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, uh, we do uh, thank you that um, you give us this uh, gift of human sexuality. And that is really uh, a, an earthly symbol of your heavenly love. Uh, help us not to settle for anything less than the highest and best that you have for us. That we would truly love our partner as Jesus Christ loves the church, passionately, tenaciously, and sacrificially. God, we know that only you can, can fill the emptiness in our hearts, in our lives. Only you in Jesus Christ has a love for us that comes from unfathomable depths that you would die even for us, as the praise team sang earlier. We pray, O oh God, that you come among us this morning and where there is healing needed for marriages, that you would bring it, that you would mend any wounds that there are here in this room or even in the church. God, to marriages that have grown stale we just pray that you would bring new vulnerability and risk for any 
young people. May the choices that they make beginning today be good for the marriages to their mates in the future. Surround us, O oh God, with Christian brothers and sisters who can help us to walk in your way. And above all, O oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your unconditional love. And hear us now as we join as one people and one faith and with one voice to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.